Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook. If you would like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. Thanks for listening and enjoy. But tonight... We're going to be made into a woman by Vanessa Davis. I'm really happy to have you here. This is her second book published by Drown and Corley. Please help me welcome Vanessa Davis. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks to Skylight for having me. Um, yeah, so I did this book called Make Me a Woman. <laughs> It's a, a collection of autobiographical comics that I've drawn over the last six years. And uh, it's sort of a mix of daily diary strips that I kept in my sketchbook and then a couple of, um, you know, not a couple, but several longer, more more developed uh, uh, comics that a, a lot of, of them I did for this uh, Jewish online magazine called Tablet. Um, and they were exploring the Jewish and not so Jewish parts of my life. So, so I have a few of those and a couple of diary strips and uh, I thought that I would show you some slides and read you some comics which is sort of a funny way to uh, present comics because usually it's a kind of a personal experience when you're just reading them out of a book but there's really no better way to do it so <laughs> I'm gonna do it this way. Um, this is the cover of my book, uh, Make Me a Woman. Uh, this story is called Stick in the Mud, <laughs> and it's about me and my mom. Uh, when my mom came out to visit me, she wanted to go to the famous spas of Calistoga. I want to feel the mud between my toes. <laughs> my mom often takes a steamy approach towards mundane things, and it makes me and my sister uptight. Vanessa, come feel the paper in this journal. It's so smooth. <laughs> How do you girls like my succulent garden? <laughs> Mom! And then when he caught them making love. It's just a few examples. She does it on purpose, and she's thoroughly unapologetic. Mmm, chopped liver. I told you how I want to open the organ room where we only serve organ meats. <laughs> and play music by E. Power Biggs. Which apparently is an organ, or an organist, I don't know. <laughs> Enough already! They're succulents, not trees, not cacti, not ferns, not orchids. Succulents. It turned out that my mom couldn't actually go in the mud baths. Are you two here for the couple's treatment? What? Uh, yeah, the mud gets hot and it gets your blood pumping very fast. Oh, that's too bad. She'd talked about the mud baths for so long, though, that at least I had to go in. I wanted to get into the experience, but relaxing was hard. That's a cross-section of me in the mud. You just sort of float in it. It's really weird. Uh, and then they, ho they take you to an area where they hose you off. And I said, can you keep that lady, meaning my mom, from seeing me? <laughs> but it became clear that I had to chill out, at least partially, because the steam room was the size of a, a phone booth. <laughs> and they give you a towel that's the size of a washcloth, so. Ariella, my sister, got a really big kick out of our spa trip story. Oh, it was wonderful. I couldn't do the mud baths, but your sister did it. And we had mineral soaks, a sauna, and massages. Uh, let me talk to Vanessa for a second, Mom. Okay, honey. Hello? 
<laughs> but I had to admit, we were glowing. Whatever, it was a day at the spot. It was wonderful. Every family has different sets of boundaries, though. I want a cheeseburger, Mom. And fries. <laughs> These teenager kids were getting burgers with their parents. And with my friends, I'll pretty much talk about anything. So you do this sort of rhythmic squatting motion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that could be anything. I mean, with most people, I'll talk about anything. My mom, though, just knows so much about me already. I have to save some for myself. Uh, hi, Mom. Guess what? I'm going to D.C. to do a talk on Jewish women, body image, and comics, <laughs> which I did do. That's terrific. What are you going to talk about? God, Mom, I don't know. You're making me self-conscious. <laughs> and that's the end of that one. <laughs> I also had to, in this comic, I also had to talk about this workshop that I was doing in D.C., so that was why I worked it in there at the end. Okay. <laughs> um, this is a diary strip. <laughs> As you can see on the upper left panel, this gentleman is trying to pull off my underwear while I'm trying to keep it on. <laughs> he says, so why don't you let me take off your panties? Because I have my period. Ah, uh, I thought it was because you don't sleep with a man on the first date. Oh, is this a date? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mimi. <laughs> this is me and my friend Karen at Dwayne Reed. This is kind of a gross purchase. Oh, look at these weird condoms. That's Trojan fire, lifestyle burn. Uh, Sunshine Mart is a good place to buy condoms. And tofu. Which is a grosser purchase, condoms and tofu or toilet paper and an O. Henry bar? <laughs> Um, and this one, the top one, I didn't mean to be in there. The bottom one is what I wanted to read. This is me and my sister talking about the current events. So the tsunami death count is now over 60,000. That is so incredibly awful. And on the news, they say that the toll will double due to flooding and disease. Well, that's not a very positive attitude. <laughs> a star. <laughs> Um, and this is a scene, I, in a, a 2005 I moved to Santa Rosa and uh, I found myself in a pretty different kind of social environment and so this is a scene from a classy party that I went to. Um, my friend and I are dancing and the girl walks by and rubs me on the waist for some reason and says, okay everyone, party's over, get out. Uh, fine, but I don't need to be caressed. What did you say? I said, you don't have to fucking caress me. <laughs> I was feeling rowdy. Oh, I wasn't caressing you. And then my friends drag me away and I say, I don't like her. And then my friend says, nobody does. And she says, what did you say? <laughs> my mean girls moment at age 28. And this is a, a scene from um, me working on a comic, my first ta comic for tablet that was called Purim Palooza, <laughs> which is a really weird comic that uh, they proposed that I do, and it was supposed to be a punk feminist version of the story of Purim, which is something that I would never, that would never occur to me to do myself, and so, uh, but I ended up having a lot of fun working on it, and um, in the meantime, I thought a lot about Purim. I say, Purim is a fun holiday. Oh yeah, what's involved? Well, you're supposed to drink until you don't know the difference between good and evil. That sounds fun. 
and eat, <laughs> and eat hamantashen. What's that? There are these delicious cookies. They're triangles, sort of like shortbready, filled with jam or poppy seed or chocolate. Ugh. Sounds like more gross Jewish food. This is my boyfriend. <laughs> well, that'll be a funny panel in some future comic when I flash back on my non-Jewish ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and then the epilogue is him giggling in bed with a 500-page Hitler biography. Because <laughs> he loves history. <laughs> okay, and this story is about the high holidays. <laughs> so it's called Holy Roland. Um, my parents didn't share an enthusiasm for temple. That's my dad, in between me and my sister. But on the high holidays, we all went. <laughs> That's my sister and my dad playing and not praying. <laughs> That's it. I'm separating you two. My sister and I got through it the best we could. We played hangman. Can anyone j guess what the word is? Yeah, it's Chewbacca. <laughs> Because even though I went to Jewish day school and prayed all the time there, the idea of spending all day long at temple filled me with dread. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> who will die by fire and who by water? Who by sword? Who by beast? Who by famine? Who by thirst? Who by plague? Who by... Okay. <laughs> but I usually ended up enjoying the rabbi's sermons. There was a young boy in the congregation who was mute. At the Rosh Hashanah service, he walked down the center aisle, playing on a flute loudly. People turned and shushed him for interrupting, but the rabbi stopped them, saying, everyone must speak to God in the way that feels right. I like to think about the kid walking through the temple and everyone getting uptight. And the exotic Catholic feeling of sloughing off your misdeeds and starting anew. This one's not the funniest comic, but... <laughs> when I went away to college, I tried going to Hillel High Holiday Services, but I really hated it. How I imagined college was at a party with a bunch of like sexy punk guys, but I found myself at B'nai B'rith, or whatever it's called, at Hillel, <laughs> continuing, who by strangulation, who by stoning, who by... And fasting and going to class was a bad combination. The first year that I did nothing for both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, my dad died. I irrationally connected the two things. I decided that if I wore this charm I got from my bat mitzvah on the holidays that I'd be safe. It was total superstition and had nothing to do with anything I actually believed, but nevertheless I continued to do it for several years. Gotta get written in the book of life. Eventually, I grew resentful of the ritual and obligation of it all. I defied my own rules and decided to leave the, leave the life and death of myself and loved ones up to fate. So, you're not fasting? Whatever, Mom. Every day of my life is the Day of Atonement. My mother has always said, Wherever I am in the world, if I'm around Jews, I feel at home. <laughs> I always just thought of it as like a mom thing to say. When are we ever not around a bunch of Jews? <laughs> Judaism is a lot about personal responsibility, and I like that. Also, I don't even trust my own beliefs much of the time. It'd be hard to stay in sync with a whole community. Uh, we've got to get moving on this. Time is flying by. But, you know, we're doing good if you think about it. But as usual, I've come around to my mom's view of things with the being around Jewish people stuff. Because uh, I live in a small town in Northern California where there are no Jews. Finally. Um, I, found, I found one... A, Village bakery, but it's hard to find challah in Santa Rosa, much less a round one. I don't actually think that I live in a constant state of repentance. Look alive, dipshit. 
<laughs> it's me in the car. But I think a lifetime of high holidays and Jewish values have impressed upon me the importance of self-reflection. Aha. And I feel lucky to have been brought up in this broad-minded Judaism that lets me belong even when I pull away. Happy New Year, 5770. <laughs> okay. This one is called Wild Ride, and it has the Israeli guy from before. Um, I was probably setting myself up with this Israeli guy that I met at my friend's annual square dance party. <laughs> Jewish American girls and Israeli guys, isn't that our real birthright? <laughs> I found him insufferably charming. He was strangely familiar. Just so you know, this is just for tonight. <laughs> I have a really bad Israeli accent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, it probably won't go anywhere, but let's meet up. Oh. Against his better judgment, as he continually reminded me, we met for a drink at a bar in the Lower East Side. He greeted me with a surprise. Hey, look what I've got. And he, he had Prince tickets, for, which was, Prince was playing the next day. I was really excited. Yup, I'm taking my best friend, Tomeo, to see Prince. Pretty cool. <laughs> I agreed to meet him and some of his friends that weekend at PS1's summer dance party where they just danced by themselves and didn't look at me the entire time. I remembered Ariella telling me about guys dancing with their own images in Israeli discotheque mirrors and the guys I saw in Italy. One was called the chicken because he just did a chicken dance and another one was Elvis because he just did a pelvic thrust move. Um, we drove on his motorcycle over to the flux factory where I had some drawings up up in a show. This is the big one. I always wanted to be an artist. Instead, I just date artists. Tons of them. <laughs> so charming. <laughs> then we rode into Manhattan. When we stopped at red lights, he'd stand and wiggle his butt. I thought maybe my legs were making him hot. Then he sang, Raspberry Barrett. <laughs> Which makes no sense, because if he knows the song, he knows it's beret. Anyway. <laughs> we drove over to Gansvort Street to meet some of his friends at Florent. It was really fun walking in with my helmet. I felt for a minute like we were a sexy biker couple. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't hang out with him, and I, but I think I wanted to prove us both wrong, that our mutual low expectations were unfair. But anyways, on a bike ride over the bridge, it doesn't really matter what your relationship to the driver is, right? <laughs> and we clinked helmets. I, th I realized the other day when I read this that that was like a really Carrie Bradshaw kind of musing, but whatever. <laughs> When we got back to my apartment, he seemed upset. What's the matter? <sighs> that was a long, dangerous motorcycle ride. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Hope you like my story. <laughs> so if anyone has Q&A, I could A some Qs. But if nobody has any, <laughs> that's OK, too. I could just go to the book part. I don't know. Nobody? Okay. <laughs> okay. I moved to Santa Rosa because I met my boyfriend Trevor, who's, uh, who lived in Santa Rosa. And um, I was living in New York at the time. And I had a really fun job working at the American Folk Art Museum, which is a very respectable full-time job. But I was getting more and more involved in comics. And um, my first book had just been published. And I was really, really, really poor and really, really tired. And I met this guy, Trevor, who's a cartoonist. I went to visit him in August, which is like the most beautiful time of year. And he you know, had this part-time job at a library and he rode his bike to work every day and 
had tons of time and tons of space and I was like screw New York I'm moving so and then it's been five years since I've lived there <laughs> it's it's good and <laughs> he he's from Hawaii originally but the, yeah he pretty much grew up there so because it's really comfortable and nice to live there but there's a lot of drawbacks too no Jews no no black and white cookies anywhere um, and you know no like the if you go to the parties are like kind of trashy sometimes and like the cool parties where you're like really schmoozing like it's usually like you meet the sluttiest old lady at Burning Man she's like the <laughs> creative elite of Santa Rosa <laughs> so it's a good place to do comics but it's uh, you know it might not be my forever spot Mimi Oh, my influences? <laughs> um, well, I guess I would say that I have a bunch of, I, I never thought I would do comics. I would, went to art school for a long time and um, thought of myself as a painter. And uh, um, in, my, Soren might remember, we went to this art high school where we were really encouraged not to even think about comics. It was just like, you know, kids when they come into art school, most of their influences are comics and they wanted us to be real art students and so they really, got like successfully expelled any ideas of comics out of my mind for a really long time and instead I got really into like feminist you know earthwork sculptures and stuff um, so I was like so I, but at the same time I still managed to see things and it, and it made an impression I got the Twisted Sisters anthology in the mid 90s that made a really big impression on me with like Debbie Drexler's work and um, I saw a bunch of Julie Doucet comics that I learned about from Sassy Magazine, and uh, <laughs> Mimi's comics were in Sassy Magazine, and um, you know, I just, I always really related to um, cartoony styles of drawing, and I always just thought I was bad at drawing, because um, I always struggled, you know, I didn't really want to do like real drawing, and um, uh, I got to art school and I wanted to do paintings that were like about my boyfriend or about, you know, not being able to fit into pants at Abercrombie and Fitch or something and like you know all of my co classmates wanted to they were really obsessed with like landscapes and I don't know like real painting and stuff um, and so it wasn't until later when I just got more I like realized that I was allowed to do comics that there were actually really amazing cartoonists doing comics that that I got into it and I guess I'm sort of straying from your question but um, you know, <laughs> things throughout life. Uh, my parents were, uh, my dad was a photojournalist, and I think that he really, and he traveled a lot. I think he really inspired me to be an observer and to be interested in other people's lives. And my mother also was a big, is a big traveler and loves, you know, she's also a journalist. And um, Charlotte Solomon was this um, artist who I saw her work in high school. She was a, she was just, she was some lady that got killed in the Holocaust, but she happened to do this huge amount of gouache paintings about her life that were really sloppy, but really narrative and really exciting and cool and um, uh, stylish. And I, I got, you know, I think those made a big impression on me. Um, but yeah, I, I had this one painting teacher though who who did a painting a day as a diary entry, and uh, and that made it. When I saw them all, I had seen. He lived in a studio that probably had a wall as long as this store, and the whole wall was filled with the last five years of all of his paintings, and it made a. It was a really powerful kind of thing to see, and um, 
it stuck with me for a long time. I really like the idea of documenting things like that and making little things build into big things. And so when I started doing comics and I didn't know where to start, I decided to just try Ken's technique and just do something a little bit every day. And that's when I started doing my diary comics. And it's still something, it's still really the format that I like the most. Um, but yeah. So, <laughs> okay. I think that's it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> You have been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.